Because today we're in this, um, as a church family, we're in this amazing season of looking, of looking back while living forward. We're experiencing what I would call a defining moment in the life of Grace Covenant as this leadership baton is, is passed. I believe we're moving from a great season to a greater season. I have to tell you, I couldn't be more excited for this time in this season, for the life of this church family that that my wife and I love so dearly. We have so much to celebrate as we, as we look forward, though, we believe that God has greater days ahead. As I'm coming to the end of my season of leading grace, as, as you can imagine, I've been doing a lot of reflecting over the past few days, few weeks, few months. I have so much to be grateful for, and there's so much that God has allowed me to experience over these past 27, actually it's been 30 years. I was here two and a half years as an associate pastor, left, came back, and I've been here 27 and a half years. So 30 years I've been privileged to be a part of, of this church family, and it's been, been truly amazing. There's a song I, I recently heard sung by Josh, Josh Baldwin that, that seems to best capture and summarize my time of serving here at Grace as the lead pastor the title of the song is Evidence. Maybe you've heard the song. It's getting a lot of play today on Christian radio. But I want you to listen to the words of the first verse and the chorus. It says, all throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made way for spring. And every season where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. I see promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. You know, my life and my time of leadership at, here at Grace is truly a living testimony of the grace and the favor and the goodness of God. What God has done and what he's given me the privilege of being a part of has been amazing beyond definition. There's so many God stories to tell. There's so much to celebrate. It's, it's not always been easy. Some of you have been really difficult, to be honest. And it's not always been fun, but what I can tell you, it has been good. The goodness of the Lord, the evidence of his goodness all over my life. In August of 1995, when Charlotte and I returned to Grace to assume this role of leadership, we knew that we were being given a trust to steward. We knew that God was giving us an awesome opportunity, and to the best of our ability, our goal was simply to be faithful to that assignment. And we're certainly far from perfect, and through the years I've made a ton of mistakes, but through it all, God's been faithful. He's done more in our lives and through our lives than we could have ever dreamed. So today, as I formally pass this shepherd's staff, I'm humbled and I'm grateful. Not only is God good, but he's been good to Grace Covenant. He's been good to us. Can I get an amen on that? Wow. We've seen the fulfillment of, of Romans 8, 28. I want to reflect on this verse just briefly this morning. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who've been called, good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. And I would say today that's true for you. That's true for your family it's been true and will be true for Charlotte and myself, and it's true for Grace Covenant. God is good, and he's working for our good. And the question I've most often been asked in recent days is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do next? 
Uh, I'm still relatively young. I still have some fuel left in the tank. So what are you going to do? That's the big question. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I, but this is what I know is God is good and he's working for my good. This is what I know is that God has a plan and uh, I may not what, know what the future holds, but this is what I'm confident in today. I know the one who holds the future and I know he's always good. And he's working for our good. If we set our hearts to seek him and serve him, life only gets better and the future only gets more exciting. So what you have to know is that God is always at work. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's always at work. Tell him, God's always at work. And he invites us, he invites us, all of us, to be a part of his redemptive work in our world. In other words, we have the privilege of partnering with God as he's bringing his grace to the Lake Norman community and to the world. In its simplest form, that's what Grace Covenant has been doing for the past 27 years. We've been partnering with God as God has chosen to work through this church in amazing ways. He's done great things simply because we've been willing and we've been available. So as I come to the end of my tenureship of leadership here at Grace, I, I want to encourage you to three points of action. Or there's three mentalities that I, I want to encourage you to process life with. I'm going to tie that into what I think we're experiencing here this morning. The first is this. You want to celebrate the past with thanksgiving. When you listen to the words from Psalm 145, verse 3 and 4, it says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can even fathom. One generation will commend your works to another, and they will tell of your mighty acts. Verse 6 goes on to say, they will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. What we want to do is we want to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Matter of fact, I tried to get them to sing that song this morning from Ron Cannoli. And we're just going to celebrate. Well, we should celebrate, to celebrate the goodness of God. Make the decision every day that you're going to live grateful. Make the decision that you're going to process life with an attitude of gratitude. What I've discovered not only in my own life, but as I've studied a lot of people, if I've watched a lot of different people, what I've discovered is that great, grateful people are happy people. Have you noticed that? They have more joy in their lives. The grateful people have more friends. You know, let me tell you why they have more friends, because they bring life for others. The grateful people discover greater opportunities. They find greater opportunities because they're living on the positive side, not the negative side. And grateful people experience God's work in greater ways because gratitude feeds faith and opens the way for God to, live, to do greater things. So, so choose to live grateful. As I think of my time at Grace, I have so much to celebrate, so much to give thanks for. First, I, I would just want to give thanks to God. I tell you, you've heard me say this before, but it's so true. I'm not that smart. God's done great things because he's great. All the honor be to him. All the praise be to him. I've simply been privileged to be a part of what God's doing. I've, sim I've simply been privileged to be a conduit that God could flow his power and grace to for the past 27 years. So first, thanks be to God. Second, I want to celebrate and give thanks to my parents. I wish they could be here today. My parents are my heroes. What you've seen me live 
the past 27 years is simply what I saw modeled. It's simply the values that my parents rooted into my life, and I've simply been living that out. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for my wife. You don't know, Grace Covenant, I have protected you from my wife for 27 years. (laughs) You should say thanks to me for that. I've been able to do what I've been able to do because my wife has faithfully supported me. She sacrificed much so that I could be in this role and do what I've done. I am blessed to be married to a Proverbs 31 woman. Why don't you give my wife a hand? She's an amazing woman. Someone asked me, Pastor, what are you going to do in next, this next season? I said, whatever she tells me to do. <laughs> I also want to celebrate and give thanks to the Grace Covenant leadership. The past 27 years, I've served with some phenomenal staff members, served with some phenomenal elders. I have elders that I've served with for 27 years. Some phenomenal church council members. One of the things I learned early on is that effective ministry happens through teamwork. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to bring good and godly people around you. And God's blessed me with the privilege of serving with phenomenal leadership through the years. And as I celebrate, I would also want to give thanks to you, the Grace Covenant family. You have been what I would call yes people. Yes, God, whatever you want, that's what we want to do. You've been people who have been mission-minded, not so much concerned about how we're going to make ourselves feel better on the inside. You've been concerned about the lost on the outside. And thanks for being generous, generous with your talent, generous with your time, generous with your treasures. It's truly been a privilege to serve you. So thank you for being a an awesome church family to be a part of. But we want to look to the past and we want to live grateful. So turn to your name and say, hey, live grateful. Go ahead and encourage them. Live grateful. Not only do we want to live grateful, here's the second point of action that I want to encourage you to, is to embrace the present with a heart to serve. We're grateful for the past, but how many of you know we can't live in the past? You're driving down Interstate 77, you don't want to focus on your rearview mirror. Every once in a while, it's good to glance in the rearview mirror, but you want to keep your focus on the road ahead, right? You want to keep your focus on what's in front of you. It's the same with the church. We, we celebrate the past, but we want to embrace the present with a heart to serve. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each one should use whatever gift he's received to to, uh, to uh, whatever is received to, to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So each one, that includes everyone in the room, everyone watching online today. If you would identify as a follower of Jesus Christ, then this scripture is to you and for you. Each one should use the gifts, whatever God's placed in your life. The great variety in the body of Christ, but this is what I know. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has abilities. Scripture says you should use those so that you can live out God's grace to others. So you want to be available. Make yourself a candidate that God can 
minister through. Listen, you don't have to be great. Just allow God to bring his greatness through your life. Isn't that relieving this morning? Listen, you don't have to be the smartest one in the room. You don't have to be the most talented one in the room. All you have to do is be available. Listen, it's, it's not so much about your ability as it is your availability, right? So I would encourage you, in this next season, be available. Not only do we want to be available, but, but be engaged. Be engaged in what God's doing. Listen, don't just come here and sit on a pew and say, Pastor, feed me. Okay, Pastor, feed me some more. Listen, get engaged. Get off the sidelines and get in the game. That's where it's happening. You want to experience God in a greater way in your life? You want to experience God's work in a greater way in your life? Get off the sidelines and get in the game. Be engaged. Now, be available. Now, be engaged. Be a blessing. You know, that's my favorite line. Well, we're blessed to be a blessing. That's so true. Listen, God's not blessed you just so you can have more. God's blessed you so that you can give more. I encourage you in this future, in this present that we're living in, in the the days that are ahead, just choose to be a blessing. Allow God to flow his goodness through your life. Not only do you need to choose to be a blessing, but choose to be a contributor. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now be generous. And what I'm confident of is that God is able. And, and if you embrace the present with a heart to serve, there's no limit. There's no limit to what God can do and what he will do through your life, what he can do and what he will do through this congregation. Here's the third point of action, really quick. Anticipate the future with great expectation. 1 Corinthians 2.9, listen to these words. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even begun to conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. So according to this verse, God has more and God has greater things that he wants to bring to your life. God has more and God has greater things that he wants to bring to this church family. More than, more than we could ever imagine. We celebrate the past, but, but greater days are ahead. So I would challenge you, I would challenge you, every day live with expectation. Every day live with faith that opens the way for God to work in your life and through your life. You know, there's three convictions that I hold, or maybe I should say these are convictions that, that hold me. These are beliefs that I hold strongly. The first is this, God is good and he desires to manifest his goodness. And Proverbs 13, 21 says, the, the goodness of the Lord is chasing after the righteous. The blessings of the Lord is chasing after the right. God is good and he wants to bring his goodness to your family. Live in expectation of that. You know, the problem for many Christ followers today, one of the things I've discovered is the problem for many Christ followers today is their expector has expired. They're no longer living in expectation of. Listen, live every day for your life, for your family, in expectation of God bringing his greatness for you. I mean, here's the here's second um, Here's the second conviction. God is great and he desires to bring his greatness. So the first is, God is good. He desires to manifest his goodness. And God is great. He desires to bring his greatness. 
said he's a God without limits. He's a God beyond what you can comprehend. Make way for his greatness. Here's the third conviction is that God does miracles and he desires to unleash the miraculous in our lives. John 14, 12, Jesus says, you're gonna do even greater things than I've done. I'm going to the Father. I'm gonna send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's gonna be in you and you're gonna do greater things. Listen, the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do the miraculous is the Spirit that lives within you. And he wants to manifest the miraculous in your life and through your life. So what I would challenge you, our church family, to in this season of transition is what I would challenge you to do every day of your life. So this is corporate for our church family, but it's also personal for you and your family. Celebrate the past with thanksgiving. Live grateful. Embrace the present with a heart to serve. Live available. And anticipate the future with great expectation. Live fully persuaded that God is able. And if you, if you live in this fashion, it'll position you for a greater life and a greater future. It'll position you for God to work in your life in a greater way. As I... Transition, I, I couldn't be more excited for the future of, of Grace Covenant Church. It's with great gratitude and anticipation that I passed my leadership road to Pastor Zach Burris. I, I love this man. I love this man and his family. I count it a privilege now to call him my pastor. The past three months, I've been following his leadership, and it has been amazing. This is what I know about Pastor Zach. He leads with a passion to honor God in all that he does. As I mentioned earlier, he has the heart of a shepherd and really cares about you. He cares about you more than he cares about programs. Programs are important. What I appreciate about Pastor Zach is he elevates people over programs. And Pastor Zach has been blessed by God with amazing talents and gifts that he utilizes to faithfully serve others. You know, one of the things I think, as much as I love you, my Grace Covenant family, and as privileged as I've been to serve, one of the things that makes this transition so easy for me is who I get to pass the baton to. It's almost like we're in a, we're in a race, and there's four runners, and it's the last leg, and we know, man, we've got it set up because the last runner is always the fastest, Right? The last runner, he, he's like a blaze of speed. So you're excited to pass the baton to one that you know is gonna run well. And that's my privilege this morning, is to pass this baton of leadership to my friend, Pastor Zach. You guys are very kind. 
Thank you for being here on this occasion. Thank you, Pastor Farrell, for bringing today's message. I appreciate that very much. I have a few concluding words that I would like to share before we send you on your way in the way of anecdotes. But first, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Shonda, for being with us all the way from Huntsville, Alabama, this morning. We're so grateful that you're here. Pastor Shonda is our district supervisor for the Atlantic region of our Foursquare movement. And Shannon and I had a virtual get-to-know-you session with you not too long ago, and she shared some timely words of wisdom that Shannon and I are still ruminating on today. So thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be present. Presence is powerful, and uh, we have felt your support on this occasion. Thank you, Pastor Scott. And, uh, of course, by extension, your wife, Patty, for being here today as well. Pastor Scott, as Pastor Farrell mentioned, was youth pastor here at Grace, and that was when I was in high school. That was when I was in high school. Pastor Scott, you may not remember all of this, but in addition to beating me at Tetherball at Camp Courtney from time to time, you were the first to recommend Lee University, which began a series of a few major milestones in my life and ministry. And thank you for being one of the first Foursquare ministers to call when I was still in Wisconsin and this new assignment was announced. Uh, you welcomed me to the district and that was a call that occurred when there were still a lot of unknowns and it was just uh, at a great time. So I appreciate you reaching out. Thank you, Pastor Farrell and Charlotte, for leading so humbly, faithfully for 28 years in transitions like this. If you're unaware, there are a lot of opportunities for things to go poorly. Not to cast any aspersions on a historic day, but an outgoing pastor can understandably tend to hold on to things a bit too tightly. And an incoming pastor can understandably tend to grab on to things a bit too quickly. There are buckets of examples should we seek to study them because there's just so much emotion involved and there's very little margin for error. Shan and I were talking last night, and we're delighted to share with you that there hasn't been a moment, a single moment in the last eight months where Pastor Farrell has led out of insecurity. He has led out of confidence, and this is where God is leading he. And Charlotte, he makes suggestions, sure, and I have welcomed them. In fact, those suggestions are even introduced with a patently Feralesque clause that goes like this. I'm certainly not trying to tell you what to do, Pastor Zach, <laughs> but, and yet you have truly left decisions in my court. And speaking of courts, Pastor Farrell's Arkansas Razorbacks pulled off a stunning upset of the number one seed Kansas Jayhawks in yesterday's NCAA tournament game. The head coach was so excited that he took his shirt off and waved it in the air 
as some 50-year-old chest dangling out for the world to see on national television. And so, Pastor Farrell, I beseech you. No matter how excited you are about your retirement, please, please leave your shirt on. Shannon would affirm that after I planted our church in Wisconsin at the deeply mature age of 28, there were times where I desired someone to lead me, even though I was supposed to be doing the leading. These near eight months with Pastor Farrell have afforded me insightful opportunities to be reminded in the purest of ways why it is that we do this. I've taken note of your heart and it has left an endearing and enduring impression. So thank you. So here we are on Installation Sunday. Someone this week said to me, Pastor, we've got to come up with a better name than Installation Sunday. He said, it makes you sound like some kind of plumbing fixture. <laughs> and depending on the fixture, I suppose that could be a beautiful comparison. <laughs> so here I stand on installation day, plumbing fixture Zach. What an honor. You had PF, now you have PFZ, plumbing fixture Zach. Um, but in all seriousness, Shannon and I are so delighted to be your next pastors, and since Pastor Farrell brought the word to us this morning, I would just take a couple more minutes to share a few highlights of my ministry journey, and they are these. Uh, in the summer of 1997, I remember in Hendersonville, North Carolina, going into my junior year of high school, being Asked to consider being, uh, sensing God's leading, God calling in, into ministry. And I remember sitting there three-fourths of the way back in what was called the tabernacle. And tears just began to stream down my face. Um, you may or may not know that in evangelical circles, some 80-something percent of pastors receive their call to ministry and in a camp-like setting. And so there I was at summer camp, sensing the Lord telling me to go into ministry. And I went home and told my dad, and my dad, who was a second-generation Christian, a PK to my grandfather, said, son, don't do it. I grew up poor. You'll be poor the rest of your life. And you should really be a doctor. You're very smart. And the cool thing about it, and my dad's going to be here in the second service, is when I was a sophomore in college at Lee University, God called my dad out of UPS after 22 years and into full-time ministry. <laughs> and so he planted a church. 
And I'll tell you that in the fall of 2009, God took me to Wisconsin where I met Shannon. We married in 08. I received the call to plant a church. I resisted it. The pastor asked if I would consider going to a community 10 miles north. I said, no, thank you. I like being a worship leader. I still have some years left. I love this community of faith. And he said, well, just pray about it. And he, he began to preach on the apostles leaving Asia and entering into Europe and the gospel hitting Rome and spreading out throughout the world. Um, the infrastructure was in place. The Roman roads, every road leads to Rome and every road leads out of Rome and to the world. And so when Paul preached in Athens, everything blew up and the gospel started being spread and promulgated and people came to faith and the church grew and the Lord added to their numbers daily. And we went based on the call of the Lord and we started and I'll never forget anecdotally God leading a drywaller's wife named Robin to our church with her two beautiful boys, one of whom was at the time a newborn. And her husband, Chris, was rough around the edges. He was a blue-collar guy. He began helping us build out our space in Wisconsin and he said the words, I would never come to this church. God would strike me with lightning. And yet Robin continued to persist to pray for him. We prayed for Chris. And about five, six, seven years, somewhere in that range, I had the privilege of baptizing Chris in a pond in our backyard and it was one of the most beautiful symbols of conversion growth that I can recall. My dad was there when Chris hung drywall for our new church. And coincidentally or providentially, depending on how you look at it, my dad was there when Chris got baptized in our pond. And my dad just wept at the transforming power of God. So if you are rough around the edges, if you throw a profanity or two on occasion, I just want you to know you're at home here. And God has a plan and purpose for your life if you will yield yourself to him. Last anecdote I'd leave you with is four years ago, Shannon and I came home to celebrate our anniversary and we flew in with four kids. We dropped three of the oldest off with my mom and dad and at the time, I guess it was uh, China Grove and we went to Asheville to celebrate our anniversary. Asheville is one of my favorite cities in the United States. I love Asheville. And we were there and we stayed in a tiny house. It was just Shannon and I and, and Caroline. She was newborn at the time. And we began praying over the, over the city. And I, I said to Shannon, I wonder if God would have us plant a church in Asheville because we sensed our time in Wisconsin was coming to a close. We still had a building to construct. We still had some dollars to raise. We still had a young man and woman to find to get into the pulpit. 
in Stratford, but I just said, honey, what if God would lead us here? It happened to be that Wisconsin's full of hippies and Madison and Asheville has a lot of hippies, so I (laughs) I thought, I love these people, you know? I'm fond of these people. And as we processed this, I processed this with Pastor Farrell over breakfast when, who's, he's a longtime friend, invited me to breakfast. That was the first time that he said to me, well, you could plant Grace Covenant Asheville and we'd support you and send you or I'll propose a plan B. I'm thinking about retiring at about the same time that you're thinking God is inviting you to leave Wisconsin and do something different, maybe God would have it and we need to explore and we need to check all the boxes and we need to go through all the processes, but maybe God would have it that you would come to Cornelius. And we began to pray and we began to seek the Lord and we're here with you. And we could not be happier to be your shepherds. And we will make mistakes and we will need your grace. And we will need at times loving correction and help. But we will do our best to shepherd you well, to protect you, to love you, to serve you, to support you in fun times to laugh with you, in dark times to grieve with you. And I'll leave you with these verses. First, Joshua 24, 13. As a reminder, this is what what we read. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. We get it. We didn't plant these vineyards. We'll cultivate them to the best of our ability along with you for many years to come. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says this. I'd like to read this to you. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God is leading us to be sent. God is leading us to have this amazing vineyard be a hub for reproduction. St. Francis of Assisi said, effectively that we're to preach every day of our lives and if necessary, we're to use words. 
And I have to tell you that while I don't generally make it a habit of disagreeing with saints, (laughs) preaching involves telling. Preaching involves taking the news to people who have yet to hear. And this is exactly what God is calling his people to and will in perpetuity to multiply, to reach the lost. Last verse I'd share with you is Luke chapter 12, verse 48, and then I just want to pray. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Father, you have given us so much. Lord, the legacy that is left here in the form of a staff by Pastor Farrell and his wife, Charlotte. Lord, the many years of diligent, faithful volunteers whose hours will likely add up to a greater number than those that I would put in as a staff member. Lord, you have resourced us. You have equipped us. Father, you have led us here at Grace so well. And I just ask, Lord, that the foundation that has been laid at Grace, that you would be faithful to help me, to help us build on that. In humility, in service, in multiplication, in propagation, in the telling of your good news for all to hear. Those rough around the edges, those who are deeply in need, the vulnerable, the the marginal, the widows, the aliens, the immigrants, the at-risk, the addicted, Lord, may our heart continue to beat for that which you love. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray today. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday for Pastor Farrell's celebration. If you need prayer, you're welcome to come forward. Our elders will make themselves available. Otherwise, we'll see you soon.